thank you, praise team. The men of valor will be serving you in just a moment by placing today's notes in your hand. We began talking to you about what God had said to us that midway through this year, we would begin to see a resurgence of miracles, signs, and wonders in the church. Not just this church, but in the body of Christ. Will all churches get in on it? No. Some churches still don't know who God is. They have a form of godliness, but deny any power to it. Just as we're going to see the church that Jesus visited, they had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. But we're talking to you about miracles, signs, and wonders. And we began in the first lesson to share with you that miracles, signs, and wonders are not synonymous. Miracles means one thing, signs means one thing, wonders mean another. And understanding those and the direction to which each one goes allows you to see these stories in a different method and a different light. Today we're going to be looking at what was the fourth miracle in the life of Christ, but third miracle in his ministry, as recorded in the New Testament. Recorded, this one was recorded in both Mark and Luke. And uh, Mark starts off with this miracle. Luke takes a, a different course and shares with you the things that led up to this. But this miracle was all three. It was a miracle. It was a sign. It was a wonder. But it was a miracle to some, a wonder to others, a sign to others. And they can be, depending upon the occasion, what I want you to see is God wants you involved in his miracle ministry. And it may be a sign that God provides through you to attest to the ministry that you're carrying. It may be a wonder that God does something that causes everybody to just stop and go, I don't get it. But to the person that your action is addressed, they receive the miracle power of God, regardless of the effect it has on others. So let's pick up this third miracle in the ministry of Christ. Become familiar with them, because you will be touched by the miraculous and the supernatural of this year in ways you have never been and an empowerment you have not known before. Mark chapter 1. They went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. In verses 16 through 20, Yeshua has called for the first disciples, learners, or students. In Luke's account, we find the baptism of our Lord, the temptation by Satan, his appearance in the synagogue in Nazareth, and then we pick up this parallel encounter of the demoniac at church. Today, that's not uncommon. Verse 22, they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Our Lord taught with the authority of one who is one with the word of truth. 
Many people are missing out on the best part of their new covenant life for they keep waiting for something from somewhere else to come. I want you to understand this. If you're waiting for something outside you to happen to change your life and ministry, you're missing out on the very basis of your walk with God. In Luke 17, 21, nor will they see, say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. If you are born again, the kingdom of God has come into you. Say this with me. The kingdom of God, kingdom of God is, in me. is in me. Pastor, what does it mean that the kingdom of God is in me? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit have come to sit on the throne of your belly. Too many Christians, when they read heart, they think blood pump. He didn't come to live in your blood pump. He came to live in your belly. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Your belly is the throne room of your entire being. When fear comes, you don't get fear here. It grips your belly. When joy comes, it grips your belly. The belly is the center of your life. It is the throne room of Jehovah, Lord of hosts. And out of your belly should flow rivers of living water because you have filled your belly with the truth. The belly is the home of your spirit. The mind and the spirit operate from different premises. Learning that will liberate you. As a believer, the kingdom of God has taken up residence within your recreated human spirit. I want you to get this revelation from Philippians 2.12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my, pre in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That is not saying figure out how to get saved. It is saying work out your own salvation. In every situation you will encounter, the answer lives in your belly. The spirit of truth is in you. That's why Isaiah says, therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. You can draw buckets of water or you can have raging torrents, but they flow out of your belly. When you were born again, a well of knowledge and understanding was deposited in you. It lies dormant in many Christians because they never come in contact with the energizing factor of the New Testament truth. As you read the New Testament, it begins to resonate with what has been deposited in you. Salvation means health, safety, soundness, wholeness, and deliverance. All of that is in you. When you need health, the answer is in you. 
When you need deliverance, the answer is in you. When you need safety, the answer is in you. But you have to work it out. Pastor Jim, how do I work it out? With prayer, with praise, and with study of the New Testament. But Pastor Jim, I'm an Old Testament person. You don't look Jewish. I've said this before, I'll say it again. In 04, when my father died, I did not want to read the old will that was his desire at some time in the past. I wanted the most current will that told me what belonged to me, what belonged to my, my siblings, what he wanted done with everything. The Old Testament it was God's will for a people and his types and shadows, but it's not his will for your life. The Old Testament is law. The New Testament is grace. Decide which you want to live under. Because if the Old Testament was enough, God would not have had to send a New Testament. But Isaiah says, with joy you draw out of the well of salvation. I can get happy knowing that whatever is facing me, whatever problem, whatever trouble, I can draw out of this well of salvation. One day, Lou and I was headed to Mexico with another pastor and his wife to visit the Bible school that we were building at that time. The one that I just came back from is the I guess the fifth Bible school, but it's the one that we're currently working with now. Brother Herb Bargo had the other, and he has gone on to his reward. We were going down, and I saw a, a new Cadillac sitting by the roadside, and I just felt that we were to stop. And so I pulled over, and we had to back up to where they were, and I said, what's the problem? He said, I don't know. We're just headed down to Laredo, and it just stopped. Well, if you've left San Antonio headed for Laredo, there are miles and miles of nothing but miles and miles. And there is not a gas station on every corner. And so the other pastor got out with me, and... Uh, I said, open the hood. So the guy opens the hood. We're standing there, and Pastor Thomas said to me, what do you think it is? And I said, I have no idea. And I said, give me a second. And I just went to praying in the Spirit. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do, and I don't even know why I stopped, but you told me to, so I stopped. I prayed in the Spirit for a minute, and I said, okay, I know what to do. And I laid my hands on the valve covers, that big 472 V8, and I prayed. And Pastor Thomas is looking at me, and the driver's looking at me, and I said, try it now. He got in, turned the key, and it started. And Pastor said, what did you do? I said, I prayed. If I can lay hands on the sick and they recover... It didn't say sick people or sick horses or sick cows. 
And I've had people call me to lay hands on their animals. And I've laid hands on animals. But I watch and pray. Now this is not part of the sermon, but some of y'all know that before Mama Choi went on to her eternal reward, she came to spend a week with me. And uh, for those of you who do not know who Mama Choi was, she was the mother of Dr. Paul Youngie Cho, who is now Dr. David Youngie Cho, who pastors the world's largest 700,000-member church in Seoul, Korea. And Mama Choi had started Yoda Church while Brother Cho was still in Bible school. She was his mother-in-law. And she was telling me about when she started the church, they got an old army cadre tent and set the tent up on a piece of land that they had the use of. And she started going door to door inviting people to church. And she said she went to one house and told the people she wanted them to come to church. And they asked her, why should we? And she said, because God will do good things for you. And they said, what can he do for us right now? And she said, well, what do you need? And the woman said, well, I just went to the store and I bought two chicks and I'm going to start a chicken farm to support my family. My husband is dead and I've got to have a way. Can he help me have a successful chicken farm? And Mama Choi said, yes, he can. Let me pray for those chicks. And the woman handed her the chicks and she took one in each hand and she started praying and then realizing how important this was that if God didn't do something with these chicks, they wouldn't come to church. But if he did, she would tell her neighbors and they would tell their neighbors and the church could grow. And Mama Choi said, I was praying with all my might. Everything within me, I was praying for those chicks until I heard a scream. And she said, I heard a scream and I looked up and the woman is standing there terrified. <laughs> She had choked the two chickens. She was squeezing them so hard <laughs> when she was praying. And yet Yoda Church survived. So be admonished. Watch and pray. <laughs> you don't want to choke the object of your prayer. <laughs> Pastor, I don't know how to draw water out of the spring or wells, as the King James says, of salvation. How do I do that? By understanding that every word of the New Testament was written not necessarily to you, but for your benefit. How do I draw out of the well? The well of salvation says, God is seated in me. Now how do I activate him? I go to my New Testament and I find a promise of God. God, you said to me that you supply all of my need. You are God and you cannot lie. Therefore, 
you supply all of my need. Right now, my natural eyes sees a need and no way out of it. But by your word, I see a way out of it. You will supply my need. Father God, I come before you, and I find a promise in your word that says, with his stripes I was healed. Since I was healed, then I am healed. Now all the physical reports say, I'm in trouble. But your report says, I am healed. 2,000 years ago. Therefore, I lay hold of my healing. Not, God, would you heal me? Could you heal me? I wish you'd heal me. Oh, God, please heal me. God, when are you going to heal me? All of that is stupid prayer. It's not even real prayer. You cannot ask God to do what His Word says He has done. You either accept Him at His Word or you don't. That's why Brother Richard led you all of those seven months I was in the hospital. He led you not in praying that I would be healed because the first day when Richard came to the hospital, he said, how do I tell the people to pray? I said, tell the people I don't want anyone praying for me to be healed. The Word of God said, with his stripes I was healed. From this day forward, every time the church meets, you celebrate the truth of that Word. What were you doing? You were drawing out of the well of salvation. You were accepting God and His Word. God said, I was healed. Now, they said I had heart failure, lung failure, kidney failure, liver failure. <laughs> if that's for me, tell them I'm in prayer. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> I didn't know the eyes of Texas were upon me. But we celebrated the truth of God's Word. God, you said with His stripes, Pastor was healed. Therefore, we agree that He's healed. We celebrate that He's healed. You were drawing out of the well of salvation. You were taking ownership of what belonged to you because you were born again. In the morning text that I send out, this week you'll recognize this one. It's a matter of developing that third eye of the Spirit within you. These eyes see a problem. The eye of your Spirit sees an answer. You've got to develop the third eye where it is superior to the two natural eyes so that you see through the well of salvation what has been blood-bought for you. Salvation in all five arenas is in you. Health, safety, soundness, wholeness, deliverance. They are in you. The kingdom way of being and doing is in your spirit. You have the mind of the anointed Redeemer, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says. What are you going to do with what is in you? Are you going to develop it? Or not. When you were born, you were born with a certain number of muscles. You can lay on your back and those muscles will atrophy and you'll never develop. 
you can exercise a little and you'll get a little development of those muscles. But if you exercise a lot, you can become a bodybuilder and get a lot. It's the same way when you were born of the Spirit. You were born of the Spirit with a certain amount of spiritual muscles. Muscles for laying hold of the promises of God and drawing them out of the kingdom of God into the natural realm. Muscles for celebrating and praising God in His goodness so that you could bask and walk in His presence. Muscles for decreeing a thing so it could be established. But the average born-again child of God allows their spiritual muscles to atrophy because they never work them. If you want to become strong in God, every week pick a target just to pray about. Not praying God, would you? No, I find the promise of God. If you're not praying the word, you're not praying. Real prayer is returning God's word to him in agreement. Now you can take a promise of God. God, you said that with his stripes I was healed. And you can totally nullify that promise of God as far as you're concerned by going, God, why haven't you healed me? You're calling God a liar. You're crazy. Don't call God a liar. God said with his stripes you were healed. So you say, Father, your word says I were healed. Now my body says I'm not. My doctor says I'm not. The nurse says I'm not. The pharmacy says I'm not. Some of my relatives say I'm not. But you and I are in agreement, God. And I'm reaching into the well of salvation. And I'm laying hold of your promise is mine. Since you said I'm healed, I agree with your word. And I receive the fact that I am the healed of the Lord. And I will not take ownership of this For seven months, I had people come and go, how are you doing? I'm the blessed of the Lord. Yeah, but how are you really doing? I'm the blessed of the Lord. Do you want to know how I'm doing or what the doctors are saying? The doctors say, I'll never walk again. I'll never talk again. I'm dead meat. I choose to believe God because his report sounds better to me than dead meat. I choose to believe that my God supplies all of my need. So whether I get paid or not, my needs get taken care of because my needs are not dependent upon my salary. They're dependent upon the promises I lay hold of. That's why I'll never be broke another day in my life. My wife and I knew what broke was. And we went from praying for gas money to get to church to giving cars away. Why? By accepting the truth of God's word 
and not being dumb enough to ask God to do what he said he'd already done. God, you said you supply my need, therefore the supply is out there somewhere. Open my eyes to see where my answer is, because my answer is out there somewhere, because you said it is. The secret of success, authority, ruling and reigning, lie in drawing out of what God has deposited in you. Don't let the deposit lie dormant. Don't be one of those that after you die, they come in and cut open your mattress and find you were sleeping on a fortune while starving. Spiritually speaking, a lot of Christians are sleeping on a fortune while starving for the blessings of God. Draw out of that well. Lay hold of the promises. Agree with God. By way of example, I want you to lay hold of some wealth secrets of the kingdom. In Luke 5, 17, the power of the Lord was present to heal, but none were being healed among the elders. They were too religious. When some came in faith, afterward, they were healed. They came to receive healing for their friend. But the, pre the, the presence of God was there to heal all the elders, scribes, Pharisees, and none of them was getting anything because they weren't drawing on what was present. Now I want you to look at wealth. Deuteronomy 18 says, God has strengthened your hand to gain wealth. It is surprising to me today, and understand this, if you're believing God for the publisher's clearinghouse, fantastic, I'll agree with you. But it's probably not going to happen. If you're believing that you're going to be standing in the grocery store someday and God's going to say, these six numbers, and you're going to write them down and win the lottery, that happens in rare cases. But for 99.9% .9 of people, it doesn't happen. God said he strengthened your hand to gain wealth. A young man heard this passage of Scripture being addressed. And he got into conviction because he had something. He had a family recipe for cheesecake. And he would make them for other people, and sometimes someone would pay him, you know, $10 to make one for a birthday, an anniversary, or a gift. And he got into conviction with the passage I'm about to share with you. And he went to a health food store in his town. And he said, uh, I want you to try my cheesecake and think about carrying it in your store. What he didn't know was the regional director for that chain of stores was in the store at the time. 
came over to see what the manager was talking to this person about and tried the cheesecake. The next day they contacted the man and said, can you supply these cheesecakes in volume? How many are we talking about? 500 a week. A lot of times you're looking for something outside you, but God said he strengthens your hand to gain wealth. What does that mean? God will use what you are trained in to bring wealth to you. It just needs to be expanded. Now, making a cheesecake here and there for 10 bucks for friends, he was making money off his cakes. Although it probably cost him six or seven dollars to make one, he wasn't making a lot of money. But at 500 a week, now he's got to hire other people to help him cook. Now he's got to open a bakery. Now he's got to hire an accountant. Now he's got to deal with his hand has been strengthened to gain wealth. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. First point of why a lot of Christians are broke. God wants something they got, and they don't want to give it to him. Jesus got into the boat and said, I need a little oar power here. Paddle me out. A lot of times you're sitting someplace and God says, give brother so-and-so $50. And you go, God, I, I got that 50 folded up, stuck in the back of the wallet in case I have a need someday. And God said, do I have access to what you have? If I do, then you'll have access to what I have. So the first thing was, Peter had already recognized him as Lord. Now he is treating him as Lord, and he doesn't give him 15 reasons why God, I am tired of rowing that stinking boat. We rowed it out. We rowed it back. We got nothing to show for it. Our arms are aching from throwing nets out all night long. And we haven't got anything to show for it except sore arms. And now you want my sore arms to row you out? What's in it for me? No, the key is responding to God as if he really were God. 
Peter to accept him as Lord. He will respond to him as Lord in a moment. But when the Lord asked for something that was in his wheelhouse, he responded like the Lord had asked him. And asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. A lot of people give an offering. All right, God, there it is. Hope this time I see something from it. Everybody's watching, God. I got to put something in as the plate goes by. Do you respond to lordship or religious habit? Are you responding to him as Lord and freely acknowledging his lordship? Father, you said, bring the tithe. So with joy, I bring it knowing if I respond to you as Lord in the area of my finances, you'll respond to me as my supplier in the area of finances. Do you realize that tithing is opening the door for God to address the needs of your life? Do you understand that offerings given because you're at church and the light bill has to be paid very seldom produce results. Do you know why the Bible says do not give out of need or compulsion? Yet a majority of churches around the nation and especially televangelists and radio preachers if you don't give this faith broadcast can't stay on the air. Is there no God in your world? You're not trusting God to keep you on the air. You're depending upon your appeal to need. Do you know what I do when somebody tells me about a need? I quickly check, God, are you anywhere near this? And then I settle my wallet. Because I found out that most of the idiots wanting that money are not going to shut up. Lou and I was in a church one night and they had received three offerings and were receiving another one. And I stood up in the congregation because y'all know, timid and shy person that I am, it wasn't our church. I stood up and I said, what is the need? And he told me what they still needed. And I said, all right, I'll write a check for that amount so we can get on with the service. Do you know what the minister, well, he wasn't a minister, he's a preacher. A minister wouldn't do it, but a preacher would. You know what he did? He said, that was so easy. Let's see how much more we can get tonight. And so I realized People who are pushing need will always have one. People who are submitting to lordship won't have one. 
I know some people wonder why I boldly say, I'll never be broke another day in my life. I know what it is to be broke. I know what it is to be hurting. I have been in lack. I have found abounding is much more comfortable for my lifestyle. I don't have needs. I have a need supplier. So when you bring the tithe, you say, Father, in response to your lordship, I return unto you that which is yours, not, oh, here it comes again. Some people don't go to church on Sunday because they think it's temple tax, and if they don't go, they don't owe it. We'll slip on on Wednesday night, and we can get by for a buck. We go on Sunday, we got to do the tithe thing. No. If you want God in your finances, in your health, in whatever area of your life it is, submit to His Lordship in that area. Because your Lord, I'll put the boat out. Now, because He had surrendered His boat to Lordship, the Lord was able to bring into him through his hand wealth. Stop waiting for publishers, clearinghouse, the lottery, something outside yourself and say, God, I want you involved in my hands. And it doesn't matter whether you are a nuclear scientist or you're a janitor. God can show you a way to gain wealth through what your hand is applied to. So in a moment of time, because Peter recognized lordship at this moment of the boat, and then when the Lord said, instead of chasing in the shallow water here, Put out into the deep over there. Let down your nets. And he said, Experience has taught me this ain't going to work. I know fishing. They're not running. They're not biting. I've been at this all night. But I'm going to leave what I know. I'm going to leave what I know. And I'm going to take you had your word, and I'm going to submit to your lordship. And because I recognize your word as Lord, I'll take it, your word. And I'll put down the nets. The young man, after being convicted about his cheesecakes, went to the health food store and went from making a cake to 500 a week. God strengthened his hand to gain wealth, and he brought it through the channel of multiplication, not, surprise, here's a check. Are you closing the door to God by going, I can only make forty-two fifty an hour working here, so that's what I'm limited to. Or are you going to take the limits off of it and say, God, I don't know how, 
but you have strengthened my hand to gain wealth. Therefore, you wanted to come through multiplying my efforts. So somehow through this job, through this line of work, through this arena or area of endeavor, you're going to bring wealth to me because I submit to your lordship. You strengthened my hand. You said you strengthened my hand. It's done. My hand is strong to lay hold of wealth. I am your sheep. I hear your voice. The voice of another I will not follow. Get God involved. The word of God says the tithe is the first tenth of your increase. Not the first tenth of your paycheck of your increase. You give me $10 for my birthday, the first dollar is going back to God. I have a windfall this week. The first tenth of that windfall is going back to God. Because I don't want to close any channel to God. That's why blessings continually overtake me. Because every blessing that overtakes me, I include God in and His Lordship. That's why I can make more money laying flat on my back than most people can working for a living. I keep all the channels open and dedicated to Lordship. The elders were in the temple and the Word of God was doing nothing for them because they hadn't opened that channel. Don't leave any channel in your life closed. Master, we worked hard all night, caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done, and when they, in closing, when, and when, and when they, and they enclosed a great quantity of fish and the nets began to break, so they signaled to their partners in the other boats for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. What happened? Lordship happened. Get the Lord in your line of work. Get Lordship in your business. Get Lordship in what you're applying your hand to. Peter gave his boat over for kingdom use. He did what the Lord said. He didn't run to the mailbox looking for a check. The Lord brought wealth through Peter's hand. Are you engaging kingdom in your laboring? I've told you before, only a fool agrees to a salary at work. If I'm going to work somewhere, and they tell me, we'll pay you $100 an hour. I never go, I'll take it. I go, that's a good starting place. I'll start there, but I'm believing for more. Why? Because I can't get God involved in helping me break my word. People get a job and it's $12.50 an hour. They say, great, I'll take it. I'll work for twelve fifty. And then they go to prayer. God, get me more. Wait a minute. 
you're in agreement with your boss to work for 12, 15 hour. You didn't leave the door open for lordship. Always go, that's a good starting place. I'll start there, but I'm believing for more. Now you can get God involved because you're not asking God to help you break your word to your employer. Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Well, the demon cried out through the man. The religious teachers of the law were amazed, astonished, astounded that there was more to the text than they had discovered. They taught from outside the word. Messiah taught from within the word. Do you understand the difference? The elders were ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. They could not benefit from a word they did not acknowledge the lordship of. Even the demons know the difference between teaching by rote and teaching by revelation. The demons were saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demon recognized a different dimension of life and authority had shown up. The demon knew of his eventual end. He just did not know when it was coming, and he wanted to know if this is that time that's coming. The devil doesn't know everything, although he tries to tell you he does. Demons believe and tremble at the presence of the anointing. They recognize the divine representative. Are you representing words on a page or the Lord of the words? And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. The master took control of the situation, and light ruled over darkness. You notice Jesus didn't pray. He exercised the authority that was in him. So can you. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. The demon tried to gain an advantage by making a show in the natural realm. And for some people, I've been places where demon manifest, would, a demon would manifest and people there would run. I've been in a prayer line and had a woman fall to the floor under a demonic seizure and see preachers leave the building. The devil puts on a show to see what you know. The demon tried to gain advantage by making a show in the natural realm, but power is in the supernatural realm. Messiah would not let the devil announce him, and neither would Paul. Shut up. I don't need the devil advertising for me. I sometimes wonder why godly men and women hire secular advertising agencies to promote their crusades. How can you expect the power of God 
when you're using sensory level appeals. They were all amazed so that they debated among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. The elders, teachers, and representatives of the word were shocked when they came face to face with the life and power and authority of the word they thought they knew. They were teaching the word, but never expecting the word to teach them. Decide today, are you learning words from a page? Are you learning revelation from the heart of God? Same Bible the elders used, but when Jesus addressed the same text, something happened because he drew out of the well that was in him. This was a sign of his personage, a wonder of the power of the word, a miracle of triumph over darkness. To the demoniac, it was a miracle. To the scribes and the Pharisees, it was a wonder. But to the disciples who was following the Lord, it was a sign of his lordship. The word is a living and life-giving thing. Kingdom rule works where you live and where you work. Understand this, if you're doing what you're doing because it's what's expected, if you're doing what you're doing because it's what we as church people do, there's no life in it, there's no future in it, there's no blessing in it. But if you're doing what you're doing because you're submitted to lordship, because you recognize the kingdom of God is not a future thing, it's a now thing that will endure through all ages. Are you engaging kingdom, engaging lordship, or are you doing the church thing? Is church a part of this part of your life and work is a part of this part of your life? Or do all of them come out of a desire to see God glorified in whatever you're doing? Every place I worked secularly, within a short period of time, I was the number one salesman. I was the number one go-to person. I was the number one because I always put God first. They said, you're going to have to work Sundays. I said, no. Well, you can work Sundays or work somewhere place else. Bye. From the very beginning, I decided that I would put God first. Well, you're going to have to do things this way. No, that's not honest. I won't do it. But you see, 
when you include God in it, you'll be successful. I'd never sold a car in my life as a salesperson. But a job opened up and I went in and they said, how do you know you can do it? And I said, because you need it done. My first sale, I made $1,200. That was in 1970 when $1,200 was a month's pay for some people and I made it my first day. And for the next seven months, I was their number one salesman. Never sold before. Well, how'd you know you could? If God be for me, what can be against me? I went to work for the University of Texas, the married student housing area, and shortly I was the highest paid carpenter in the shop. And there were people that had been there long time before me and word got out what I was getting paid, and it was like, how are you getting that? It took us years to get that. Do you believe in the favor of God? Are you working for a living, or believing God that your living is working for you? I told you many people don't receive because they don't acknowledge lordship in what they're doing. He's not just lord at church. He's lord on the job. He's lord of your bank account. He's lord of your savings. He's lord of everything you do. When you recognize him as lord and dedicate your tithe and offering to his lordship and to kingdom development, Something will happen in your finances that hasn't happened before. Peter had fished all his life. But when kingdom and lordship came into his fishing, it was a new experience. Are you giving your money to God? Or are you honoring lordship in your gift? Excuse me. The, the minor adjustment will make a major difference in your financial standing. Pastor, I sacrificed my last dollar for the ministry. You should have kept it. You will get nothing in return for sacrificing your last dollar for the ministry. Because that says I determined what happened with my money. And there's no place for lordship there. Now you can invest your last dollar in the kingdom and you derive great benefits if you do it because, Father, I'm coming under your lordship and this dollar won't take care of my needs, but your lordship will. So I'm putting my dollar into your lordship You know whether or not God is Lord of your finances when you come up short. Then you find out what's really in your heart. All right, God, I've tithed and I've given, and you haven't. Now what's really in your heart came out. You weren't submitting to lordship. 
you are working a scheme. I'll give this and I'll get 36 or 100 back. And you don't because you were giving to get, not giving to honor, giving to submit, and giving because you acknowledge his lordship that it's his to do with as he, as he sees fit. It's impossible to say, no, Lord. I said it's impossible to say, no, Lord. When the Lord said, do this, and you go, no, Lord, I, I can't do that. Then he's not Lord. I want to see you reaping miracles of finance, miracles of divine supply. I can tell you it's wonderful. It's great to see God produce through you what nobody else is able to do. Get lordship involved in everything you do. And then expect that God can not only bless you in your finances and your health, he can bless you in representing him. Because just like the elders who had been in the temple their whole life representing God and never saw the God they represent. The same words that they used to bind people, Messiah used to set the captives free. The word wasn't the problem, the application was. A lot of time the problem is not your giving, it's the application of your giving, of your time, of your prayer, of your energy. I pastor the wealthiest group of people in the wealthiest church the world has ever seen. Your God supplies all of your need according to the living standard of heaven. Your God will withhold no good thing from you because you walk uprightly. To walk uprightly, you must acknowledge and submit to lordship. When you do, lordship will make a place for you. Father, we've delivered your word and shared your truth. We thank you for the life that flows out of your word, for the hope that flows out of your promises, for the faith that's ignited within us because the Lord has said we're guaranteed. Father, thank you for your kingdom blessings, your kingdom abundance, your kingdom goodness. And I thank you that we as a people walk in an empowerment of your spirit we have not known before because you are Lord and your Lordship is made manifest through our lives. Father, open our understanding to see you more intimately and receive of you more fully and, and represent you in all that we say and do. And the people said, Amen. You're loved, you're blessed. Go with God. See you Wednesday night, if not before.